It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome back to the 2021 Pow Wow Series at FantasyPoints.com. My name is Joe Dolan, and the following conversation with John Hansen, Adam Kaplan, Greg Cosell, Graham Barfield, and myself is a breakdown of the NFC South. Uh, uh, it was an informal conversation that we live-streamed on the website and on YouTube and on Periscope, and we're also bringing to you in audio form here. I hope you guys enjoy the fact that we've made this into a podcast. It was a huge, uh, huge, uh, not a huge commitment, but it was a huge request, and I hope everybody enjoys that. But without further ado, here is a 2021 breakdown of the NFC South Division. What is up, everyone? Welcome to part two of the virtual powwow here at fantasypoints.com i am john hansen joined by the usual cast of characters here our guy graham barfield joe dolan our man benjamin kukanis behind the glass doing the voodoo that well he do um doing a good job per usual um i think my camera angle just got screwed up here somehow i have no idea how that happened but uh, we, we shall just move onward and upward. I will uh, fix that as we move along here. Our guy, Greg Cosell, and also Adam Kaplan is here. And uh, we are ready to go here. So let's, without any further ado, kick it off here. We covered yesterday the NFC East and the NFC North. Today, we're going to hit up the NFC South and the NFC West. We start in the NFC South with the Atlanta Falcons I'll just throw it on out there Adam I could start with you would you feel better or worse about a guy like Calvin Ridley with Julio Jones off the roster I mean there are data points that say and point to you know Ridley cleans up when Julio is not on the field but overall the long term I'm a little concerned would you would you feel better or worse about Calvin Ridley if Julio Jones is off this roster? Well, theoretically, his target share is obviously going to go up. And Pitts obviously will be involved. But you and I talked about this on our show on Monday uh, that, look, they just don't have much behind Jones and Ridley. So he's going to have to be the guy. And the, look, eventually they knew this when they drafted Ridley. Later in his career, he would take over for Jones and Jones would retire. Well, the difference is the, the Falcons are likely going to wind up trading him at some point. Could be, could be actually soon. We'll see. And he's going to be their number one pass target. And then the other thing is how much, how much, if this does happen, like I think it's going to happen eventually, how much of a share will Pitts get? Will he be ready as a rookie hybrid tight end? How much could he get? And how much volume could he get early on? These are things with the new coaching staff, by the way, which we're not going to know right now. But to answer your question, yes, Ridley's target share will go up and, and obviously would benefit him. Then we'll, ha- well, then we'll have to see how good Arthur Smith is once he starts getting double teamed. Can he win? We're not going to know that until we get there. There's been some talk here. I'm not exactly sure where it emanated from. I don't believe it was the Julio Jones call about, you know, Matt Ryan losing, uh, you know, a little juice off the fastball, Greg. Um, I I think that's fair. Um, He's Matt Ryan. He's the same guy pretty much every single game. But do you think that's a fair statement that he has lost a little juice off the fastball, which is really a concern because he never had a gun to begin with? Well, I think it's noticeable on deeper throws. I think the deeper throws lose velocity on the back end. Uh, they don't quite get down the field uh, as much as they did earlier. Never had a big arm, 
Um, but I think Matt Ryan can still function perfectly fine. He had a good year a year ago. Uh, you know, I think one player, and I'm sure you guys are aware of him, who and they really like him, is Russell Gage. He was he he was actually the most targeted player on third down last year for the Falcons. So obviously, he did most of his work from the slot. So the question is, is he now an outside receiver? In other words, if they go 12 personnel, which Arthur Smith likes to do, and they certainly have two quality tight ends and pits who's a hybrid and Hurst who did catch 56 balls a year ago. Yeah. If they go 12 is gauge the other wide out. And, and, and what can they do formationally because pits can line up anywhere. The kid Zacchaeus, he's kind of like gauge, right? I'm sure he could outside. Where's Zacchaeus well, typically line? Alamedy Zacchaeus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a little guy. I mean, he's, yeah, exactly. He had a big game last year when Ridley was inactive. He had a big game against Denver He's kind of a, um, uh, you know, he, he fits the category of, of a lot of the receivers that came out this year, the smaller receivers that you can move all around. Um, I don't know if he's a full-time player. Uh, he's a player they like as well because he can provide big play, uh, a big play dimension. That's a great point, Adam. Who do they have otherwise here in the roster to line up outside if they let go of Julio Jones? Does anyone stand out to you? Yeah, Cordero's I mean, I really... in the mix, but he's kind of a joker type of player. Yeah, no, Gage is a guy they like because he, he can move, but I don't know anything about Frank Darby. Maybe Greg could could uh, chime in there. Was there six Well, they also there? just signed Tajay Sharp, who played in yeah. Tennessee yeah. when Arthur Smith was there. Yeah. And he's that there kind to play. Of... Yeah, he can't run, just so you know. He just doesn't run very well. Um, I've talked to guys who've coached him. He's a great kid. Taught, he'll block for the run game. He just doesn't run very well. That's why he keeps bouncing around. So I'd be shocked if he would factor in. Russell Gage, probably the quietest 72 catch season in league history. Did he really? Holy smokes. Pretty sure it was 72, Grant. Caught 72 balls, yes. Wow. Yeah. And he was their most targeted third down receiver. So keep that Mm. in mind. Mm. Um, Yeah. Graham, you have some thoughts on Calvin Ridley. Yeah. I mean, right now where it's May 26, we don't know if Julio is going to be on the roster or not, but if they do end up trading Julio, um, Calvin Ridley has like the wide receiver one in his range of outcomes. Like I know we love Kyle Pitts, um, but man, I mean, in the eight games that Julio has missed over the last two years, Calvin Ridley has averaged, averaged 107 yards per game. He's put up 20 fantasy points per game. He's gone over, uh, I believe it's 65 yards in every single game or scored a touchdown. Um, man, the, the ceiling for Ridley is just going to be crazy. I mean, he's averaging like 11 targets per game without Julio. So, you know, that'll come down a little bit with Pitts, um, seeing some some of the target share. But, man, like, it's it's interesting because, like, if, if Julio sticks, Ridley's probably a little bit overvalued right now because Pitts is, you know, going to command a, a pretty big chunk of the targets. But if Julio is dealt, Ridley, man, I mean, he could, he could outscore everybody this year. Adam, what is your confidence level <clears> – <throat> in the new staff, Arthur Smith, Dave Vergone, taking advantage of uh, a unicorn type of player in Kyle Pitts. I mean, the dude is, if they let Julio go, he's going to have to line up outside and, and kind of play a Julio-like role at times. But your thoughts on this coaching staff, um, you know, they're just kind of getting started, but certainly some track record there of success in Tennessee. 
Um, what is your gut feel? What's the word in the street on these guys yeah, ability to he, take advantage of a guy like Pitts? Ragona's or Ragona will take care of the pass game concepts. Uh, he was responsible or helped for uh, last year with uh, or he was with Chicago, but he he really did a good job with Chicago. I know they spoke very highly of him, and so so did the Titans when he was there. And he's with Arthur Smith, who's one of his best friends. So I I assume based on what I know about Ragona's background that they have a pretty good plan in place for Pitts, whether Julio Jones is on the the roster or not. Uh, I believe that they'll be able to free up Pitts. And now I understand they haven't coached anybody like this guy, but one of the big reasons why they drafted Pitts at number four is because Arthur Smith has a plan. That's that was the way I understand it. He was a very strong voice in Pitts being drafted at number four and not taking quarterback. So they, they obviously have to account for that, um, and they're going to have a plan for him. He'll 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 be targeted a lot. And by the way, Pitts is a great kid. He uh, he's pre-draft testing. I'm told he did very well with teams. So I expect him, you know, it's one thing for the guy to be fourth overall. We still have to prove that he knows what he's doing when he gets on the field. And everything I've heard about Pitts would suggest that he should be a factor early on. Joe, we've got one man here in the backfield. That is Mike Davis. Really not much else. Uh, Sixth round pick for fantasy. You know, Javian Hawkins, the kid Huntley might be in the mix here, but is this too good to be true, Joe, with Mike Davis uh, I'm just starting to, lined up? I'm starting to get worried, John, because, like, I mean, fifth, sixth-round pick, I, it's totally fine for him. Like, that's not going to break your draft. It has a chance to make it. I'm worried, though. I don't know. Have you guys seen the photos that Mike Davis has been yeah. posting on, yeah. on Twitter? I mean, he's blowing up his own ADP. His legs are the size of tree trunks. I mean, but, um, you know, I, John, I – I know Greg watched Javian Hawkins and I want to get his opinion on this backfield, but I mean, you know, Arthur Smith's going to run the football. They're going to throw it more than, than they did in Tennessee. They have to, I mean, the the personnel dictates that they don't have Derrick Henry, Uh, but uh, Mike Davis did a solid job for fantasy when he came in for McCaffrey last year. It looks like they're giving him the opportunity, Greg, from a talent standpoint, can Mike Davis be, the foundation to, to, to borrow one of your favorite terms within the context of this offense. Well, then you have, uh, you know, what they have to figure out is what they want their offense to look at. Arthur Smith has clearly spoken about the fact that this is not going to be the Tennessee offense uh, because they don't have that kind of player in the backfield. So, you know, the question is how, how many carries per game does a Mike Davis get? Um, Javian Hawkins is an interesting player, and he's a player that they like because um, I actually spoke to them about him. Uh, now, again, what that means, that's really hard to know. Um, but Hawkins is a naturally quick and explosive back. He's got really good balance. He's got home run hitting ability. Obviously, he's not particularly big, so he's not a guy that will become a quote-unquote feature back. Um, but, you know, I think that they might see him as a guy that can mix in with Mike Davis. Yeah. So what you're ultimately asking, I think is, you know, how many carries a game is Mike Davis going to get? And that's really hard to know. Davis is built really well. He's not small. Um, He's a grinder. So if they're comfortable with that, if they can create big plays in the pass game and they're comfortable with a back that maybe he can get 230 carries and be a, you know, average of 4.2, be that kind of guy. They'd be very comfortable with that in the context of what they have. Greg, I think uh, Joe used that word uh, foundation, and I I don't know if he even meant to say that. I think what he meant was, like, as you break it down, you have foundation backs like Derrick Henry, 
And then you have primary backs. Like, well, who'll be their primary back? Right. The question is, what does that mean, uh, you know, from a fantasy standpoint in terms of number of carries? I mean, I'd be curious, John, what your your projection is for Mike Davis right now, given that he's the only proven back on their roster. Well, let's take a look and see what I have for Mr. Davis. That would be it's see, it's a little bit of a difficult situation because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of waiting to see if they do anything else. I know you can't just like viable running backs don't grow on trees. Only so many good options there on the street. I have him with 210 carries and 44 catches. So, you know, I, I do have him. And that might make sense. Just so you know, John, the reason why they they can't, they're they're literally, they have the least amount of cast space of any NFL team. Correct. They can't really do anything right now. They've they're tapped out of restructures. They've, they've, they've done as many as they can. So that's why they haven't added. They will add somebody at some point who may or may not take some carries away from Davis. I would expect them to get someone who would. Hey. I mean, asking Mike Davis to do this, I mean, he did a very good job last year as, a, as filling in. But as John, you and I have talked about, asking him to do it for 17 games now is a little bit strong for me. Hey, Adam, on the Julio Jones thing, yeah. like if they – do they have to tra- trade him before June 1st? Or what's... No, they're going to – no. I mean, they'll get – they're they're going to get um, because of they, each team gets two post June one designations. So they're going to mm-hmm. some of these, some of the release, some of the guys they release, they're going to get they're going to get a cap rebate next week. You're going to see some teams make some moves last next week, which on June second and after that didn't have enough money. Now they're going to have enough money. Okay. Um, they have, as Arthur Smith said, it was interesting. He 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 wouldn't he 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 didn't want to address. Julio Jones at all just to say that with their cap situation they have they have some things that they can do after next week and there's some things that they can't do one of them is trading Jones he's not going to say it and the way that they'll save some cap space Um, and then the issue then trading him is to whoever wherever he goes what are they going to get back are they going to get no player back so they don't take cap space back are they just going to get draft picks I would think draft picks because of their situation but um they're in a dire they're in a dire position. You rarely see situations like this. Well, Adam, as we know, one player that will factor into the mix in the backfield is Cordero Patterson, unfortunately. Yeah. He is on the roster. Real quick before we move on, Greg, um, want to ask you your thoughts on Kyle Pitts, Greg. Let's say we do go a lot of 12. You get Hayden Hurst on the field with Pitts, and I would imagine Ridley and Gage. I, I could argue that Kyle Pitts could be clearly the number two option in the passing game. Your thoughts on their ability to get him the ball early in the career, you know, high percentage type of passes. Can he, I mean, I'm not going to say plug and play and replace Julio, but how much of the lost production, if they do in fact, lose Julio can Kyle Pitts replace. Oh, he'll replace a lot. They didn't draft him at four. You know, he's going to be out there right away. He's going to play meaningful snaps, John. And they, as Adam said, they have a plan. They're going to move him around. They're going to play. They're going to play a lot of, let's assume Julio is gone. They're going to play a lot of 12 personnel. And because of Pitts, it can look like 11 personnel. It can look like 22 personnel. Pitts is going to be a major factor, John. Yeah. Adam, would you be shocked if Kyle Pitts opened it up right out of the gate? Week one, eight, nine targets every against week. Philly? Yeah, against Philly in Atlanta. Um, no, no, I'm just would, generally, though. So no, right out of the gate, because, eight, nine targets. Again, if you just look at past target group, right? Ridley will be number one. If Jones is traded, 
Pitts has got to be number two. Hayden Hurst fades. As, you know, you and I have talked about him. He's he's just um, he's not the most physical player. He's a pretty good athlete, but he, he did catch commit. 56 balls a year ago. Yeah, I know, but J- yeah. I can just tell you from talking to teams that played him, Greg, um, he's a, too much of a finesse player. This yeah, guy, but, that's, but the point is within the context of Atlanta. Right. He ain't going to be number – I'm going to tell you this. Pitts will be number two, John, to answer your question. Yeah. As long as yeah. he knows what he's doing, he'll be the number two passing target. That, that should happen. Offensive line, somewhat still intact. Not great. Underwhelming. Didn't really help it all that much. A lot of high-round picks. Yeah. They're just there. They're not bad. They're not good. They're just kind of there. Although, Greg, in pass pro, maybe they are bad, right? I mean, Matt Ryan is always under siege. Well, they also had to throw the ball a lot last year because of their defense. So that factors in as well. Yep. Moving on, let's talk Carolina Panthers. Uh, Very intriguing team here. Greg, I'll go to you. And we all know about Sam Darnold. I've asked you about Sam Darnold a million times. I've asked you some form of this question uh, in the past. We know that he doesn't process real well. He does have mechanical, you know, flaws from the waist down, seems to unravel. Hopefully he gets good coaching. I think we should all have a lot of confidence in Matt Rule and Joe Brady. How much can Sam Darnold be helped by environment, which I mean – Good skill players around him, Matt Rule, that whole culture, Joe Brady, you know, scheme it up. How much of his deficiencies can be masked, if you will, by environment? Well, clearly, with a healthy McCaffrey, this team's going to run the ball. The Jets could not do that. So, Darnold's in a different situation in terms of the structure of the offense. Now, Ideally, those issues, those mechanical issues, those field vision at times issues are also worked on. Uh, I guarantee the Jets worked on them as well. You know, Adam Gase became an easy whipping boy for everybody. But those things do get worked on by coaches. The question is, can Darnold take the, the practice to the field and games? Up to this point, he struggled with that. So we don't know. But the point is, they can... They can run a totally different offense than the Jets had to run because they've got McCaffrey. They drafted Hubbard in the fourth round for a reason. They're going to run the football. They've got a lot of weapons on the outside, but this is not going to be a shotgun, let's toss it all over the yard team because Darnold can't function that way. And ultimately, Matt Rule does not want to play that way. What do Back you think to you, Greg. Arm, real quick, what, Greg, what do you think of Darnold's arm strength? It's good. It's not elite, you know, he's not a power thrower, but Darnold Darnold can make every throw. Good. Snap it off pretty well. Yep. Uh, Terrace Marshall, Greg, I think in Carolina what they want to do is line these guys up all over the place. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but but Terrace Marshall is a guy you could probably do that with right out of the gate, line them up anywhere, even including the slot. As you've mentioned, those lines are getting blurrier and blurrier. There's no longer – more often than not, the prototypical slot receiver, the small 5'9 guy. No, and then Marshall did that in college. He lined up in the slot. He lined up at boundary X. He lined up in the inside slot to, to trips. Um, he was used as a motion receiver. Marshall's got a lot of talent. Um, he's long. He's fluid. He's an easy mover, but there's some suddenness to him. To me, I think he at, it won't happen this year because of who else they have. But I think he's got the ability, and I don't know his mindset, so I don't know the kid, but I think he's got the ability to develop into a, a volume one kind of receiver down the road. 
Yep. That's a real nice pick there. And I also real quick, like shy Smith, you know, yep. I read your profile at the fantasypoints.com draft guide, the app still for sale, by the way, if you'd like to check that out. And uh, we do have the promo code up on the zoom here. If you'd like to take advantage of the early bird special here, but um, shy Smith, Greg, when I, when I read your overview, I, boy, I thought of Jamison Crowder and Sam Darnold, you know, in the slot. I know he's not quite as um, electric as Crowder, but, right. you know, I think the route running and the reliable hand, Sam Darnold may, may gravitate toward this guy at some point. Well, this kid's really physically tough and competitive. Um, he, he almost plays like Steve Smith in terms of his competitiveness. Mm. Wow. You know, yeah. he's not that kind of player, you know, in terms of traits, physical traits, but that he's that competitive. He's more straight line than laterally explosive. Um, he's not a loose hip guy. You know, you don't think of him running those pivot routes, those whip routes, those juke routes. That's not really him. He's a little more straight line. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say he's explosive, um, but he's got really good hands. And as I said, he's super competitive and he catches the ball. Mm. Yeah, I think he'll be – I actually think he has a chance to, you know, be there – fourth receiver for what it's worth maybe even over over david moore uh we shall see about that little dan arnold um he, he'll get targeted you know have like four big games we, we have no idea when but there's a guy that they can you know take some big plays down the field adam what what do you what do you think of when you look at this offensive line though um is it prohibitive can it just be mediocre like just don't stink where are you with this old line because that would be if anything is their downfall this year offensively? It, it has to be other than injuries. This O line, yeah. I mean, it it's better. You know, Elf Line's a guy. They actually, uh, I think their O line coach, from what I understand, really wanted him in there. They they like him. They liked him for the draft uh, when Minnesota drafted him. It just didn't work out there. But um, the issue, they have one issue. It's left tackle. It's an absolute disaster. Cam Irving is not a starting left tackle. I mean, he's a he's a decent six offensive lineman. It won't be Greg Little. I could bet the house it will not be Greg Little. Greg may know about Brady Christensen. I don't know if he'll be ready or not, but you got a right-handed thrower's blindside. That that's that would be the one concern left tackle. Yeah, just another guy we should mention because I think you know we, we talked about this team running the football. Is they drafted Tommy Tremble, and he was he's an unbelievably good blocking tight end, unbelievably good, and actually has athletic ability to develop into a quality receiving tight end. But he will he will be kind of an H back fullback blocking tight end. And he, he will knock knock your face mask off. This kid is a phenomenal blocker. So this is going to be a running football team Just you know, John. So I know they have a ton of weapons. Yeah. And I don't know how that all exactly map out in terms of targets, but they're going to start with the run game. Yeah, no doubt about it. Ultimately, eventually, you know, as our guy, Ron Jaworski always says points come out of the passing game. We're going to need those guys on the outside, the receivers, but we know where they're going to start and hopefully finish offensively by, by running that rock. Oh, oh, we should mention that um, Robbie Anderson's on the last year of his deal. So that's where Terrace Marshall comes in. Yeah. You may wind up taking this job next year. Now I will tell you from talking to Carolina, they're actually pretty happy with Robbie. Um, He's done everything right off the field. No issues. He's been healthy. Uh, And the one thing I will tell you, John, you and I talked about this. Greg knows this. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater would not throw the ball downfield. That's why Anderson's starts per catch was so low. I mean, he got open sometimes. He just, Teddy wouldn't throw it downfield. 
I don't think that's based on what Greg said about Arnold's arm because those throws are going to be there in Brady's arm. Don, Donald can can throw it there. right. So so I would expect based on what Greg just said, I would expect Robbie Anderson's big plays to come back where they weren't there last year. He became also a possession receiver. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's going to change the season. Greg, do you agree with that? Because you know I watched it early and it it did seem like they wanted to use Robbie on those shallow crossers and the like near the line of scrimmage and utilize his run. Well, you got to play to your quarterback, John. Yeah. In your pass game, you got to play to your quarterback. So, I mean, we can sit here from a fantasy standpoint and say, Oh boy, Robbie Anderson, what's the problem, but you got to play to your quarterback in the pass game. Donald Donald's issues are not a function of his. And I hate to use this phrase because I've been figuring, trying to figure out how to better describe what it means when I talk. But Darnold's issues are not arm talent, you know, and I know that's a cliche, but Darnold can make the throws. He's got a much better Teddy Bridgewater has just an average arm, probably an average arm at best. Yeah. That said, DJ Moore did make a decent number of downfield plays, 18 yards a catch. Graham had a lot of run after catch too. Yeah. Graham, where are you with uh, DJ Moore? I, I feel like his first three years in the league, I know in your stat pack article, it was like, what was it, like 18th all time, uh, yeah. over 3,000 yards. The the quietest start to a career, really, um, we've seen in a little while. He doesn't get a lot of buzz, but I, I, do, I do like him quite a bit. He is, I think he's an absolute baller. Well, what's funny is, you know, we would think of Robbie Anderson as the deep threat in this offense, but it was actually DJ Moore last year. Uh, yeah, Moore's no doubt. Average, yeah, Moore's average depth of target was like around like the DK Metcalf, Chase Claypool range, which was, which is crazy. And by the way, Robbie Anderson caught like the quietest 95 balls ever last ever. year. Dude caught 95, 95. balls. Um, but, you know, I, I think what's interesting to me, and I think the biggest question right now we have for this team is who plays the slot? Because Sam Darnold, I know Scott has has written and talked about this, like Sam Darnold targets his slot receivers like crazy. And sure, it was a little bit of a function of, you know, the Jets offense and Jamison Crowder was being their, being their best receiver for a number of years, et cetera. But I think, I mean, if DJ Moore lines up in the slot more this season than last year, because he was typically an outside boundary receiver, Samuel is in the slot like 70% of the time and, and Moore was only in the slot like 20%. If we get more in the slot like 50% of the time in this offense and moved around a little bit more, um, he, you know, he's been a, a great receiver too for fantasy, but that might be what gets him into the receiver. One, one range is just, you know, uh, running more routes in Darnold's hot zone and probably picking up a few more targets when he does so. Yeah. And that's why I brought up Shai Smith, by the way, that's why I've kind of been interested in him. Although I, I think initially they're going to line up all over the place with more Anderson and Marshall um, lining up all over, but good point about more in that slot, Joe, number one pick of the draft overall, 100% Christian McCaffrey, or is it more like, you know, like nine I, times out of 10, you'll go McCaffrey. Yeah. I was like, I was trying to be a little cute earlier in the off season because I cut, I, I, I really love, Dalvin Cook's situation in Minnesota. Um, and I love the player, but I mean, just listening to Greg and Adam talk, I mean, McCaffrey is just going to be utterly peppered with targets and carries and check the downs. opportunity is going to be yeah. there. Yeah. Check downs for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be everything. So yeah, I would say nine times out of 10, I take McCaffrey. Now, if I, if I kept drawing John, like you said, the be- the number one pick in a best ball, I definitely would mix in a cook here or sure, there. But sure. um, 
but yeah so i don't think it's as like as staggering as maybe the projections have it but like mccaffrey is is the best bet before we move on greg uh give us your overview quickly on this defense i see some intriguing names i think they need to come all together here but you know burns i think can get to the quarterback maybe not consistently uh yatir gross matos last year's uh draft pick Derek brown Shaq Thompson, they had Reddick, they had, of course, J.C. Horn, Jeremy Chin. Well, it appears, based on the people they signed, that they're going to transition to a little more conventional use of personnel, because last year they were a three-safety defense. Based on what they've signed, Hassan Reddick, Denzel Perryman, it looks like they'll become, you know, more of a true 4-3 as a base, as a base, you know, depending on how much they play that. Um, the other thing I would say is drafting Horn and actually a, a corner that I like, Keith Taylor in the fifth round, they are both man-to-man corners. Mm-hmm. So they played a ton of zone last year. It would not surprise me to see them transition to playing more man coverage based on who they drafted. You're watching the fantasypoints.com. 2021 virtual powwow part two of the series here next week we'll cover the afc we've already covered the nfc east and the nfc north you can check that out on youtube and on the website if you missed that we go to the new orleans saints and adam you've been kind of leading the charge on this one i'm a long it's early (laughs) It, it does feel like a little momentum here for Taysom. uh you're still in on Taysom Hill winning this yeah. job. I agree. Why? Yeah. Look, you could do more with Taysom Hill. I'm not talking about as a running back, but he's more mobile. You got the second reaction ability, which is you're talking to quarterback coaches. They like that as a bonus because when the pocket breaks down, you got to be able to move. And this is certainly an issue for Jameis compared to Hill. And they've had Taysom Hill since late in 17. This is their chance. Why did they invest all this time and money in this player to, to – he really should be out there, but I know that they like Jameis John, as I told you, in December. Um, they're behind the scenes. They're very, they like him very much. And I'm a little bit surprised with Ian Book. They drafted him as high as they did, but um, based on what I know about him. But look, getting back to Hill, it's going to be close. It's, it's, they're going to take it through training camp, and we'll see. But I just think that overall, Hill gives him a little bit more juice. Greg, give us your overview of what you saw from Taysom Hill throwing the ball. Decent arm. Obviously, the legs. Uh, he's got two of them, actually. It's impressive. <laughs> but, um, you know, did he look like a professional quarterback to you? Or did he look like a guy who's kind of been a gadget player who just was thrown in there and let's see what we have in Taysom Hill? No, I think he looked like a professional quarterback, albeit one who continues to need work, which is n- not unsurprising. Um, but he did not look like a gadget guy. He you know, keep in mind that that Sean Payton does a really good job with his offensive design and concepts and schemes. So he he did a really good job of defining reads and throws for Hill. Hill executed. And then, as Adam said, a lot of coaches have come to believe that second reaction ability is more critical than it was prior. And he certainly gives you that. Um, so it would not surprise me and I have no inside information. It would not surprise me if he won the job. Yep. And Graham, if that's the case, could you make an argument that Taysom Hill is the value pick at the quarterback position for fantasy? Oh yeah. I mean, um, you know, Taysom for the limitations he has as a passer. I mean, 
those three starts he made last year, whatever it was, I mean, he was not only highly involved in, you know, they're just kind of design stuff in between the twenties, but I mean, he was taking like legit, you know, goal line carries. Um, last night I did a cut line draft with uh, the NFFC guys and I actually took both saints quarterbacks late. And my, my thinking is like, yeah. you know, I just basically encapsulate whatever I get out of the saints quarterback, whoever starts, I'll have that as my, my QB two. Um, I actually took Lance in that draft too. And I kind of regret it now because I ended up getting both of them, but yeah, I, I love Taysom and Jameis late, especially if you're, you know, if you took a top eight, top 10 quarterback in your draft, I mean, both of those guys have, you know, QB one ceilings. It just depends on, on, uh, you know, who makes the starts, but I, I think, I think I've come around. I thought it was Jameis and I think you guys have convinced me. I think, I think we'll see. They'll, they'll give Taysom the first shot. You know, the other thing to keep in mind, John, is they have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. It's, it's, it's arguably a top three O line. So, yeah. you know, that's a really good starting point. And that, you know, it's good, good and pass pro obviously here uh, with uh, Ramcheck and Armstead, but pretty damn good blocking for the run too. And that'll help Taysom Hill when he takes off and runs. Yeah. And, you know, and I think for Sean Payton, given the way he thinks, um, Till just expands the offense in a lot of ways that obviously Winston can't do. So, you know, I, I feel pretty comfortable that yeah. it's going to be Taysom Hill. All right. Yeah, I hope well. you're right. Cause it, it, the great thing, Greg, is the internet thinks it's going to be Jameis. And I, I, I'm getting kind of a laugh. I mean, well, I don't, I look, I, Hey, Nobody knows. Clear. It's actually wide open. I don't. I don't have any inside info. Yeah. I'm not, I, don't you know, I, I don't either. I'm just trying to think. Understanding Sean Payton, you know, and I've talked with him through the years, mm-hmm. but understanding the way he thinks, we know that he's an offensive guy. We know that he's really good with design and scheme, and I think Hill just gives him a lot, a lot more options. Mm-hmm. Real quick, in the four, he made four starts last year. In three of those, he completed over 70% of his passes. Yeah. I mean, they are that, that Peyton, to your point, Greg, Peyton is so good at scheming up just easy throws. And yeah, I remember that game against Atlanta. I mean, he threw like eight straight slants to Michael Thomas and yep. they all went for like nine to 10 yards, but I mean, he was open every single time. So, I mean, th- this is going to be a highly schemed off. Yeah, I mean, right. And it's easy to say, John, as we know, when you look at their receivers, other than Michael Thomas, who ideally he's healthy for the whole season, you know, you, you start to say, okay, who are the guys? And that's a legitimate question. And I can't answer that. So don't ask me, <laughs> but, um, yeah. but the point is, is they don't have, you know, great players on the outside, but it's a very well-schemed offense. John, yeah. keep, keep this in mind, by the way, um, if it's Taysom, and then this, this gets into how we rank our running backs at the top of the board. Um, Alvin Kamara averaged four targets per game in Taysom's four starts at quarterback. He averaged eight and a half targets per game in the other 11 games. So, you know, we we always talk about these mobile quarterbacks who will take off and run, not necessarily great for receiving backs. You know, Kamara did have a 10 target game against Philly um, with Taysom at quarterback, but he also had games of one, two, and three targets. He actually was held without a reception. Um, in in one of his games with Taysom as a starter. And, you know, for somebody who's a really damn good receiver, and that's been – I mean, Alvin Kamara's produced as a receiver for us for fantasy. I would be a little concerned if Taysom's the starter there. Yeah. Well, well that'll be worked on. That'll Because they're not, they're not going to let Kamara right. not exist. Not be, I mean, they paid him too. Yeah, yeah. I, I've noticed that. I, that's why I'm a little bit lower on Kamara, Joe, 
um, all the same, all the reasons you pointed out, but yeah, I have to think that, you know, when Hill was starting, it was the middle of the year. They don't have, he doesn't have that chemistry that Breeze had with Kamara. I think, I think that'll come up, but I, I do think there's a, there's certainly some signal there. Cause like running, running quarterbacks typically don't throw to their backs as much as we want them to. I mean, if you look through the history of all the greatest running quarterbacks, you know, their targets to their, to their backs and checkdowns is just not there because they're you know if their first second third read isn't there they're running they're not checking yep. down to the back sure um so i think i think there is something there to hill vis-a-vis uh winston yeah and and for michael thomas it does help with with Taysom hill because breeze through the running backs 29 percent of the time graham as you pointed out in your stat pack whereas Taysom only threw it 20 percent of the time a lot of those extra targets went to Thomas yep. in the three games in which Taysom Hill threw it 20 or more times. Thomas had 31 targets, 26 catches, 293, 85% catch rate. Mm-hmm. That was pretty darn good. Greg, Adam Troutman at tight end taking over. I, I was a su- little surprised by uh, what he did last year. It may not look like much on the, on the, in the box score or on the, on the stat sheet here, uh, I believe he only had like 16 catches, 15 grabs, but I, I thought he was quite impactful at times. I thought he made a couple of plays, maybe won a game where I'm like, oh, wow, okay, the kid can run. Um, I know it's not a sample size that you could talk a lot about, but did you see anything out of Adam Trapman? I mean, I think he's a good athlete, and I think that he'll become a factor in the pass game. Um, the question is how much we don't know the answer to that, uh, but – you know, Nick Vanette's been around and he's he's a nice, solid tight end, but he's not hasn't put up big numbers as a receiver. So, you know, they did draft Troutman in the third round. I would expect him, uh, assuming with good offseason, good camp to become much more of a factor, John. Yeah, jo- uh, John, just so you know, Vanette was signed to be their wide tight end. Uh, yeah. Stolen, who was involved in this decision. Um, and then Troutman yep. will be sort of their move guy. Yep. Could he block it all, Greg Troutman? You know, that I can't answer, so I, I don't want to just, okay. you know, make gotcha. it up. But, uh, okay. but he's a pretty good athlete. He's a yeah. pretty I, good athlete. I thought it was a pretty good sign. Like, they, they got him the ball. Like, he was involved pretty early. I, I, I didn't expect really anything from him last year with Jared Cook on the roster. But, um, you know, he did a few more things than I thought uh, he would. Granted, he caught – by the way, he caught 15 to 16 targets. That's not bad at all. That's a 94% catch rate. Adam, in terms of the rest of the receiving core – What's your feeling? Do they do they piecemeal this thing together? You know, you work in a Marquez Callaway. Yeah, they like they, I'll tell you what, they paid him a couple things on Callaway. They gave him a significant signing bonus as an undrafted free agent. They were the they were strong, very strong on him. And you know, he had two separate knee injuries last season. But uh, they do like him. I do I have to find out where, where they're gonna let him compete against Traquan Smith for that job opposite Thomas. Uh, then the other question is. And we don't know this yet. I mean, we'll try to find out. Without Breeze now, do they are they more twelve personnel? Are they more eleven personnel? Does that change? I don't know. I just I'm curious. Um, with Jared Cook on, do they change things up with that with, with those formations? Back to you, Greg. Uh, Traquan, as Adam mentioned, I call him like Mister Individual Play. <laughs> Have you seen anything? We know the kid's got size and he can <clears throat> run. But did you see anything last year that led you to believe, okay, this kid is is growing, expanding? He did fill in pretty well for Michael Thomas at times. No, I think I, I think that we know what Smith is, John. I mean, I, I don't know if he's a volume receiver. Um, I don't think he is. 
I actually find Callaway, who I did when he came out of Tennessee two years ago, to be really, really interesting. I mean, he was a big-time recruit at Tennessee. He actually came out of Georgia as a top-10 safety recruit and a top-15 athlete recruit. So he's very athletic. He's big. He's physical. Uh, playing off what Adam said, it would not surprise me if Callaway became more of a factor in this past game. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. I'm sure he's a free pick in, in all formats. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he caught 50 balls. I mean, I remember that first game I that he kind of was like a featured guy. I remember liking him, and he, I believe he caught you know a good number of passes, actually. So, yeah. I mean, don't the- forget, he's just still learning how to play receiver because of what he was in his background, but he's – uh, there's something about him I liked on tape. I mean, he he has size. He showed a lot of flashes in college. He's got a powerful-looking body. Yeah. Kind of played a little uh, skinnier than he was, too, at times. I mean, he's a pretty big kid, but he, he didn't didn't seem like the, a lumbering kind of a bigger guy. Uh, anybody have anything else here on these New Orleans Saints? They've got a bunch of... Actually, uh, I don't know, Greg, did you, you didn't see that kid, Kawan Baker, by the way? No. Okay, because he was somewhat intriguing out of South Alabama. That's a that's a name to keep an eye on. But anybody else have anything else? Uh, Latavius Murray, is, he's back again, once again. They don't really do much in the backfield. Anything else before we move on? No. Okay. All right. Well, let's head to... The uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they're all back. Well, they're all they're back. back. They're all good. This really backfield though is fascinating. I got to tell you, th- th- I'm. They have too many running backs. They do way too many. So I, I'm really interested to see. And did they really need to sign Giovanni Bernard? I don't know why. I mean, I guess well, Adam, I'll tell you exactly why. They've been right. looking for a pass catcher. Yeah, dating back That's to what last I was summer. Say. Yeah, and Leonard and Ronald Jones both had ugly moments in pass pro and with the sloppy hands. So Greg, that's, that's it, right? Yeah. I mean, Gio's a savvy receiver, a specialty player all the way, and he's actually very good in pass pro. So assuming he makes the team, that's going to be their third down back, Greg. I, I can't Keyshawn see- Vaughn, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Well, I mean, for Nets, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to map all this out. I really don't know the answer to that. But you know what's you funny this. though, John? John yeah. with Fournette, the bu- the Bucks, the uh, when he was with the Jaguars, he was their best pass protector. That's why he was in on third down. Yeah. Now you you know you're talking that he didn't block as well last year, and that may, may be true. Uh, Geo at this point is, is obviously specialty back, which will be third down, and I I could see that. I mean, I could see Jones and Fournette splitting the early down roles. Bernard seeing some time of third down. Keyshawn Vaughn and CJ Procise. No, oh, out of the mix. It. But Graham, let me go to you because I I, I believe you kind of like Lenny this year. And my problem is simply this: when you have Ronald Jones in the mix there, and Bruce Arians likes Ronald Jones, Ronald Jones ran better than Leonard. So to me, the 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 crux of the matter was Leonard's role in the passing game, basically, yeah. which is probably going to take a hit with Geo. That's that's a problem for me. Yeah, I, I got to say, like it's only for best ball. I mean, okay. Fournette, yeah, Fournette's like going in the ninth or tenth round right now, and um, typically Rojo, Rojo goes like 
up, you know, ahead of him a couple times. Really, it's only for best ball. I don't really want any of these guys for right. for season okay. long. Thank goodness yeah. you said that. Yeah, thank God. I mean, I like yeah. I like Fournette for best ball. I mean, I think he's going to have some some RB one weeks. Same with Rojo. He'll I mean, have I, a big lead plenty of times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he'll have his two touchdown games, but for season long, I I yeah. don't really want to touch any of these backs. I want to throw this out to Greg though, because obviously, Greg, you studied the Buccaneers a ton last year. Yeah. Um, when you watch them in the playoffs with Fournette as foundationally as a running back, could you get the sense that the offense was just operating a little bit better? I, you know, you, like we, we have the, the running backs don't matter discussion, but the run game surely <laughs> yeah. does. Yeah, and, I know. It, and Joe, let me, let me interject because well, uh, it's a cliche, you know, run the yeah. ball and all that, but it seemingly that was exactly what they did and it worked. I mean, it worked really well. Well, there's a difference between saying running backs are interchangeable and don't matter, but the run game matters. Mm-hmm, Those exactly. are two different statements. So yeah. they obviously made Fournette the guy in the playoffs. I mean, he, it wasn't as if the offense ran through him, but they obviously made him the number one runner and he executed what he was asked to execute. Um, I don't think they're going to become a running football team in the sense that the offense will run through Leonard Fournette, but most NFL teams, almost all, they want to run the ball and they want to have success when they run the ball. So the run game matters. The question is for teams, who's the back who's going to get the majority of the carries? It's likely to be Leonard Fournette. Greg, I think the run game matters a little bit more for a guy like Brady when, when you don't have that second reaction ability. Right, right. Just keep that pass rush to bay, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Bruce Arians, too, is, is old school. I mean, he believes that offense should be balanced, which a lot of coaches believe, by the way, that offense should be balanced, that you have to be able to run the ball. Um Balance is a relative term, so no coach sits here and says, well, we want to run it this many times and throw it this many times, but, you know, they, they want to be able to run the football. And, you know, when you look at this, as Adam said, they've got too many backs. They're not all making the team. But I think when you look at this group, particularly with what happens in the playoffs, they're going into this season. Leonard Fournette will be the primary back as a rusher. How did Antonio Brown look to you on film, Greg? I, I thought he looked great. I, I was not shocked, but I was a little surprised that he was able to basically step out of bed and catch 73% of the targets. Looked like he was always open. Like maybe he knew only three routes, but he was open. Yeah. I mean, I think he looked fine. This is an offense that obviously spreads it around. Um, It's not one guy. Um, I thought the really intriguing pick was Jalen Darden in in the fourth round, because I love Jalen Darden's tape. Mm -hmm. Um, Jalen Darden is very much like Jalen Waddle. They're very similar players in terms of skill set. Waddle's a little more explosive, but, you know, Darden played at North Texas, obviously a lower level school. So the competition wasn't as good, but that's a fascinating pick to me. Well, if he pans out, now you go seven deep at wide receiver in Tampa. And, and well, again, and, they're not all making the team either. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. And you got 17 tight ends as well. OJ Howard, Greg, could could bring a little bit of a new wrinkle here, like like big plays, even on the outside. Uh, that could be a little bit of a shift with O.J. Howard a full year. I well, yeah, maybe- he's coming off an injury. We'll see. They've got tight ends, too. I mean, you know, not everybody's making the team here, so this is going to be a little hard right now at the end of May, John, to figure out exactly how this is all going to work out. O-line, 
all five starters are back, right? Yep. Uh, yep. How how impressed was this O line? Had a couple of rough spots in pass pro, particularly against New Orleans, Greg. But uh, you know, you watched all the tape there, and was it's it a, a solid thing, O right? line? The O lines, you know, they got better and better as the season progressed. Brady was comfortable in the pocket for the most part. He threw the ball extremely well over the last eight nine weeks. He was not under meaningful duress over the last part of the season. This is solid O line. Well. I don't think we have much. Oh, Mr. Brady, um, how better did he get uh, down the stretch in your mind, Greg? Because, uh, you know, he did say recently that uh didn't even really know the offense uh, when the season started last year, which Plus is a little scary. Out, you know, he had knee surgery. You know, he had a pretty – Right. With a bad knee. Right, right. Well, we're, we're, we're going to see him on, on television here in July. They just announced he's playing one of those uh, – made for tv golf events with phil mickelson so he seems all right to be playing in that greg uh and anything of note good or bad with with, with tom i i guess it's it's kind of like um i'm brady yeah it's kind of like played really really well down the stretch now we didn't have a great game against the packers um but they won the game you know so but overall He's, he threw the ball really well. I can see some throws in my mind's eye right now from watching all these games, you know, during the season where I just went, wow, that, that's a really big time throw. He's always had a better arm than people think he's had. Um, there's nothing wrong with Tom Brady. I, I would even, I mean, I might even take it a little step further, Greg. I, yeah, I know you and I talked about it after the game. I, I think it was a play where he was moving to his right, and he threw a laser across his body. It may have been to Evans. It may have been to Godwin. But Well, he threw a ball against Atlanta to Mike Evans, where Evans got tackled at the one-yard line. I think that's I, it. I, I, can, I can see this play right now because I looked at it 100 times. Um, and he just – it was against two-man coverage, okay, um, which is man coverage with two deep safeties. And he just drilled this. I mean, this was on a frozen rope. Yep. Uh, it was a really, really good throw. There's nothing wrong with Brady. I mean, I thought that throw there, his arm strength looked like he turned back the clock at like a decade. Yeah. And we know what his off-season regimen is, you know. It's just like Adam's off-season regimen, right? I'm down oh. 25 pounds here, brother. Come on. Exactly. Are you really? There yeah. you go. Yeah. Wow. Tennis is, tennis is saving my life. Go ahead. Wow. So are you now running a 4-4-40? I'm a, I could probably get under six. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you wanna... Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm not talking about the first 20 yards. Yeah, very funny. Wait, didn't you not tell us on our show or in an interview somewhere, did you not say you ran a – what did you run in high school or college? Yeah, or no, it was my freshman year in college. We got time for baseball. You go I, ran ahead. A eight, I ran a 4.840. Can you believe it? Looking at him, he ran a 4.8. That's solid. Can you believe that? Hey, you know how much I weighed my freshman year in college? 180. 165. Uh, like 180, 185. Uh-huh. Yeah, see? Which I don't weigh now, by the way. Looking at you, I cannot believe you're an athlete. Unbelievable. Oh, cut the crap. Look at Adam <laughs> bragging about the weight loss. Never mind the fact that he was fat, basically. Thank you, you know? very much. We don't, you know? we don't need my my ex, my ex athletic exploits here, you know. But, uh, you got a sweet jump shot, though. That picture in your office, I got it. I digress. But that, I'll tell you what, that is form. That's right. about as sweet as it gets. It is. It is. Yeah. All right. I think we're done with Tampa, guys. Anybody yep. have anything else here? And on? their defense, you know, for fantasy, John, they're all back. Joe, uh, uh, Greg, did you like Joe Tryon, the first round pick? Love Joe Tryon. Yeah, that was a great pick. Love Joe Tryon more than Gregory Rousseau. I don't even think there's. Oh wow! wow. I don't even yeah. think there's a conversation yeah. Yeah. about that. Tell you what, for fantasy, I know that these fantasy defenses are so up and down. Yeah, you know, the second half of the season they play much better. I, I, I'll tell you what, I think they'll be very good for fantasy. Oh, they were my number one defense last year, and 
I did the projections and plugged in the numbers and they, they came in at number one. They're all I mean, back. They, Literally all of them. Sue resign. Um, they're going to get they, sacks. They're going to get picks. Maybe not a ton of big plays, but right getting there, back a, a couple guys point. who were hurt last year. Yeah. They're, they're, they're going to be good. There's a lot of actually good fantasy defenses this year. Uh, yeah, they'll probably I, all yeah, break our hearts. Ryan, that was a great pick for me because, you know, Pierre Paul's getting older. Yep. You know, you don't know what he'll be. Get, you know, I mean, I just, I love Joe Tryon. I mean, when I, he didn't play this year. So I watched him last summer and I watched a lot of games because it was a guy I knew nothing about. And I just started watching. Washington always puts out defensive players in the NFL. So they're a defense you always want to watch because hmm. they've got a really good defensive coach who's now the head coach, Jimmy Lake. He does a really, really nice job. And so they, they're very good schematically and they have a lot of good players. This might be the best depth I've ever seen, honestly, top Amazing. to bottom. I know. They don't really have – I mean, Greg, you look at the roster. I don't think they have a weakness, do they? Oh, no. Um, as I'm I mean, looking through the roster Not right a corner. Now, yeah. I mean, the, Murphy Bunning rebounded really well the second half of the season. And I've talked with Todd Bowles. He loves big corners, and he's got big corners. Carl Davis. Davis, yeah. Dean, and Murphy Bunting are all six feet and over, and yeah. Davis and Dean are about 6'2", and they're very physical. He likes that. Um Obviously, they got Levante David and Devin White. I mean, those guys, those guys were major factors in their playoff run. Oh, God, yeah. Adam, you know what their biggest uh, problem is? Backup quarterback. That's it. Well, just as Bill Polian said, you, you, you only need a backup quarterback when you need one. And generally... Well, they got Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, yeah, who, who Bruce loves. Bruce, and by the way, Bruce loved Kyle Trask yeah. because he fits his worldview of of what the quarterback position is. Yeah, they're sure. all good until they have to play. That's the issue uh, that uh, people find out. But, you, yeah, they're, they're the kid Stinney played well in the offensive line when he had to fill in, they said. Um, Cap is back from his injury. They're, they're all back, John. This is yeah, – They also drafted a kid, Robert Hainsey, in the third round from Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah. Who I watched who – he played right tackle in college. I think he's a guard personally yeah. in the NFL. But the point is, I think he's a solid prospect. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Fantasy Points.